Chapter 7 The Drowned Mage What we call the history of the world is usually the human history of the world. In our pride and arrogance, we assume that ours is the only tale worth telling. In doing so, we ignore the heritage of the elves, the minotaurs, the merfolk, and yes, even the goblins. Who knows what kingdoms rose and fell among the merfolk during the dark, or what dark packs the elves made for their own survival. The history books, the human history books, are mute on the subject, save where their stories cross their own. Our call, Argivian scholar. On a lonely beach, the sun setting behind him, the ragman waited. The sand blew around his feet and caught his tattered garments, forming fine traceries where the dark bandages met. Occasionally, a good burst of wind would send a spinning sand dervish along the length of the beach, shoving grit into the ragman's face. If the being had eyes in the conventional sense, he would have been blinded, but instead, he stood there, waiting. The tide was coming in, each wave traveling slightly farther up the wide, tilted expanse of the beach. In another hour, the ragman would be forced to retreat up the beach, taking his package with him. That would be in another hour. For the moment, the ragman stood on the beach, watching the fiddler crabs move from hole to hole, watching as the waves exposed the sand fleas that would then burrow again in the loose muck, only to be exposed again by the next wave. Waiting. Shadows appeared in the water, no more than the heads and shoulders of creatures coming out of the sea. One. Two. Four. Then seven. Their skin was a dusky blue, and they wore their long hair like lion's manes. They moved toward the shore, toward the ragman. The ragman waited, giving no sign of noticing them. The merfolk reached the breakers now, and as the storm-swollen waves crested, they slid into the beach, letting the waves carry their streamlined bodies. Six of them remained where the waves crashed and hissed up the beach. One of them, the leader, raised herself into the thin tidal waters and half-crawled, half-slithered forward. The merfolk leader curled up in her Piscine hindquarter and hauled herself to her full height, still shorter than the ragman. The mer-creature said something in a garbled, dirty language. The ragman nodded. The merfolk leader said something else. More empathetically, the ragman nodded again. The merfolk leader motioned with her arm, and two more of her people splashed ashore, carrying a bundle between them. The bundle was wrapped in a net made of cord woven from kelp. The commanding merfolk gargled something else, and the two bears unwrapped the net to reveal a young man, his face pale and his skin slightly bluish. The young man did not move. He had a gag made of seaweed fronds clamped across his mouth. The merfolk leader looked at the ragman. The ragman merely nodded. The merfolk leader goggled something else. One of the other merfolk pulled at the front over the young man's mouth. It came away easily. The young man still did not move. The merfolk leader struck the prostate body in the ribs. The young man coughed once and water spilled out of his throat. Then he inhaled a deep ragged breath, coughing again, and continued to breathe. His chest rose and fell normally now. The ragman nodded and reached for his satchel. The black-wrapped creature picked up the canvas bag and pulled from it a helmet. The helmet was made entirely of orange coral and looked as if it had been grown into the shape instead of fashioned by human hands. He presented it to the merfolk leader. The merfolk leader bared her fangs and said something else in a garbled, dirty language. The ragman merely nodded. The three merfolk raiders half-crawled, half-slithered, back to where the combers were breaking. Already, other merfolk were fleeing the shore. The two bears followed, diving in without looking back. 
the leader looked back one last time, then dived in as well, following her brethren away from the beach. The ragman waited until all the merfolk had departed, the sky darkening behind them. Then, the rag creature picked up the young man and pulled him free of his kelp-woven net. He grasped the young man by the neck of his shirt and dragged him above the high tide mark where even the storm-swollen waves would not touch him, to a small divot between the dunes. Driftwood had already been stacked in a shallow pit, and dried salt grasses had been added as tinder. The ragman laid the young man's body out and touched the side of his cheek with the back of his skeletal hand. The young man's flesh was already warm when moments before it had been cold as ice. The ragman reached inside his robes, reached inside his chest. There was a cracking noise as the bean snapped off part of his own ribcage. The man-like creature withdrew the bone and held it up in the moonless night. The ragged edge of the bone glowed on its own volition, a corpse light powered by the undead wizardry. The ragman knelt down and used the sputtering corpse light to set fire to the driftwood. Their position between the dunes would keep the light from being seen from afar. The ragman checked the young man's body again. It was warmer still. He moved the lad slightly closer to the flames, not so close as to send to clothing, but close enough to warm the young man. The body, now breathing steadily, the fire in its pit, and himself, all set between the dunes and a moonless sky. The ragman nodded and walked fifty paces away. Then he stopped, turned, and faced the fire. And the ragman waited. <laughs>